The Investigator's Toolbox is here. Are you a licensed investigator, an investigative or security professional? How would you like to gain work-based skills, be more productive, and grow your business? Well, welcome to the investigatorstoolbox.com. Check out this industry-changing website that's pioneering into the future today. You can network with other investigators in our forums. You can take a webinar, check out a blog, or read an article to brush up on your skills. You can visit our vast resource catalog of research websites and bookmark them in your own private library. Everybody's talking about the Investigator's Toolbox. This really is the future of networking, learning, and resource management. Check this out. For a limited time, we're offering a legacy discount for new members. If you sign up early, we'll save you 25%. Take advantage of exclusive discounts from site partners like Crosstracks, Delvepoint, PI Magazine, Hetherington Group, ScopeNow, Paraben, and so many more. Just visit the website investigators-toolbox.com and check out the demo video in the Who We Are section. Can you afford 41 cents a day? If the answer is yes, then don't delay. Join the community. Investigatorstoolbox.com. These discounts won't last. That's www.investigators-toolbox.com. Hey everybody, it's Matt. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the program this week. Before we jump in, I want to talk to you a little bit about Crosstracks. Crosstracks is a big time supporter of the show. They've been on board very early on and I'm very appreciative for the support they've given. So here's a funny story. I was not a Crosstracks user when we started having discussions about them coming on as a sponsor. So I decided to check them out and, uh, you know, I was using Dropbox and kind of doing my own thing and, uh, you know, I have a good sized business. We've have quite a few law firms we service in New York. And uh, I was like, ah, I don't need this case management stuff. Man, was I mistaken. As soon as I checked this uh, system out and I started really uploading everything and, and using it on a regular basis, man, it has really increased my productivity. My clients are super stoked that I'm using it because uh, it allows them to actually stay on top of their cases and get regular updates without having to shoot emails or make phone calls. They know exactly what's going on in their case, which is something that's absolutely phenomenal. The pricing on it's really reasonable too, you know, and you can build it into your pricing, you know, as like an administrative charge, uh, tack on a couple bucks to each assignment. Your clients are not going to complain. They're going to understand. They're going to be happy because you're using a, a management system that allows them to have access to their files. It's, it's worth it. I mean, I, I've not had one client call me to complain about uh, a, a minimal administration charge that I've now tacked on to, uh, to my invoices. So definitely check them out. Consider it. It's crosstracks.co. You'll see the information in the show notes. So if you're um, not using a case management system, check it out. If you are using a case management system and you don't like what you're doing or you, you used to use Crosstracks and you want to come back, give them a call, contact them, tell them you're supporting the show and you want to know a little bit more about uh, what they're offering. So we're going to jump into the program now and uh, thank you everyone again for tuning in and uh, please support our sponsors. It really means a lot. So thanks guys and uh, enjoy the show. Welcome to this week's episode. Today, Matt brings in his old friend, Sachin Gad. Sachin is a workers' comp attorney in New York and brings us the perspective of the comp attorney who's trying to file a claim for an injured worker. 
The guys discuss what's involved in a workers' comp case and why it's so important to have an investigator on both sides. Now let's join the guys and check out this week's episode. Please welcome Sachin Gat and your host, private investigator at Spare. And welcome everybody to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. So today we're going to go and do something a little bit different. We uh, have an attorney on the uh, on the line with us today. So I reached out to uh, one of my old buddies, a longtime suffering Mets fan, somebody who's who's really famous on Instagram for his uh, day in the life videos or uh, quarantine updates. My buddy Sachin Gad. Uh, Sachin, how you doing? Living the dream here in Brooklyn. Living the dream. You're in Williamsburg, right? Yep, Bushwick, East Williamsburg. Nice. Half hipster, half hobo. There you go. But it's, uh, no, it's good. I can't complain. Good, good. So today, as we're recording this thing, we had like a horrendous uh, uh, hurricane just rip through in the tri-state area. So what does your neighborhood look like? Did you guys get pounded today or no? Well, I'm peeking out the window because I'm still taking the quarantine seriously, but I've gotten pictures of Long Island, trees uprooted. Brooklyn, I didn't see it too bad. I live right by the subway. The J train goes right by my window. Right. So half of me expected the J train to just go through my window with 70 mile per hour winds. Luckily, that didn't happen, and I am able to record this podcast with you here tonight. That's great. I'm really, I'm really happy to have you on here. <laughs> so <laughs> well, we didn't lose power. It wasn't bad. You know, right. usually New York City the, the blackout situation. Long Island got hit bad, but they'll be out for a day. They'll live by candlelight. Yeah, I mean your your Instagram feed during the whole COVID shutdown was just hilarious, man. I just look forward to these like daily updates because you you you're like no holds barred, man. You just shoot from the hip, and uh, you got some real real interesting topics to talk about. Yeah, you know it was a way to stay sane um, from March to I guess I stopped beginning of June. I went about quarantine happy hour day ninety eight was my last. You tapped so just out, like right? Jordan. Jordan, I went out after 98. Once we got into phase two or three, I tapped out. But, you know, 30 to 90 second bits, just straight stand-up comedy, Seinfeld style, Chappelle style, tried to keep it light. And it kept me sane because, you know, you could see friends laughing at it or liking at it. And these are, you know, I didn't do it for anything else but for love of the game or love of a laugh. There you go. There you go. It was, uh, you know, it was fun in a time that it wasn't so much fun. Definitely, uh, um, definitely a way, around to, here. a way to deal with it. So you are a workers' comp attorney and uh, you work of counsel for Schwartz Alpha Lawyers. That's how we met. And I wanted to bring you on here today because I wanted to talk about workers' comp and, and in relation to investigators and, and what the investigator's role is on a workers' comp case, both on the plaintiff side and on the defense side. So I figured we could talk about the plaintiff um, stuff first. And then we could go into the the defendant stuff later, but we're going to get to that in a little bit. So why don't you tell me like a little bit about your background and how you've gotten into the business and where you're at today with everything. Yeah, so I've been a lawyer for about 10 years now. 10 year anniversary is August 6th. Doing workers comp claimant or plaintiff side for about eight years. A lot of my cases have third party actions as well at Schwarzapfel. So we do them under the same roof. Just representing injured workers, nasty accidents, construction sites, wrap-up policies. Someone who went to work at 9 a.m. didn't come back in the same shape, you know, at 6 p.m. And in fact, probably end up at a hospital and, you know, was looking down the road of surgeries and lost earnings and lost wages and difficult stuff. But I, I do enjoy it. I like talking to the people. I like helping people. I like explaining what the process of comp is, you know, dealing with insurance carriers, dealing with the board. To me, it's fun. And 
Maybe that's kind of sick mind I am. I guess that's fun for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it, it definitely takes a, sp- a special animal to, to work that, uh, that realm. I mean, what, what, what made you choose to, uh, to go the route of comp? It sort of chose me, you know, when I, I got sworn in, my parents took me to lunch. I got a phone call at lunch where I had to excuse myself from bocce mm-hmm. in Westbury, great Italian food. Okay. I got an interview at Binder and Binder doing social security took that job immediately. A year later, I went to Schwarzapfel doing social security. Our workers got comp guy left. I was, you know, doing 30 hearings for social security and, you know, just enjoy being a lawyer, had a good, you know, rapport with everyone. And they said, why don't you take over comp? Here I am eight years later, just, you know, doing the same thing, grinding it out. So I got a question for you and then we're going to bring it real local here. That dude, Binder, did he wear the hat in the office? His brother wore the hat in the office. <laughs> they were both basically bald, Charles and Harry. Um, you know, Charles loved the law, though. Charles really, you know, he, they got a bad rap a little bit with those commercials. But yeah. Charlie was, you know, into the law, into representing people. He started out doing it in the early 80s. And <laughs> the brother definitely wore the hat all the time. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was, it was a television law firm. I enjoyed it. They sent me all over the country. Um, if you, if you were willing to work and do hearings, they'd send you anywhere, put you up in a hotel. I thought I was like, you know, first year lawyer traveling around the expense account was like 40 bucks for dinner. And I thought I was like big baller in Hartford, Connecticut, having a, a $40 dinner at Wolf's Tavern. There you go. Right. That's a lot of beer. It really is. A couple it's rounds, happened. right? Back in the day, that was that was a couple rounds. Now forty bucks. Happen four beers. <laughs> now forty bucks ain't getting you anywhere. Yeah, uh, it'll get you a salad. But uh, yeah, maybe with chicken. We'll, we'll see. Explain to folks a comp attorney because maybe investigators don't realize how comp attorneys get paid. Like what the what the fee structure is because it's a little bit different than uh, your regular personal injury case. So how does that work? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's fifteen percent of, you know, fresh money's moving. So it's not your normal third, 33%. It's, you know, at the end of a case, if a client's getting, you know, 40 or 50 grand on a loss of use of the arm, you're going to get 15% of that. That's six grand. If you get them classified as permanently partially disabled, you may get, if they're going to get $800 a week for the next seven years, you request a fee of $8,000 and you'll get that fee $50 at a time. Comp, you know, it's not the most lucrative work, but if you do it right, right and, you know, you can make money doing it enough, you don't even need that much of a volume. You just have to, you know, explain to clients what to do so you're able to, you know, get the medical records you need, get them paid for the timeout, whether they return to work, whether they're permanently partially disabled, you know, just explain to them what's going on. So how and you could make a pretty good living at yeah, it. Yeah. So so how have you seen technology kind of uh, affect what you do? Like, uh, you know, I, I would say you know, DocuSign and things like that are, is is now I guess the way to go for for this type of stuff. But what what other things of technology that have uh, really changed the way you're doing business um, as an attorney? Well, really, I mean, technology saved our behind in this pandemic. The workers' comp board in the state of New York about a year ago went to virtual hearings where you could check in on your app or a laptop, you know, camera. You could even call into hearings. But they made it so that any attorney and any claimant could appear via phone, via internet, laptop, app, 
very easily. So when this pandemic hit March 10th, March 15th, they just said, you know what? We're closing the whole, all the boards, no more in-person hearings, but we're business as usual. Just check in on the app. So for four months, you know, I've been sitting in my living room, shirt and tie on, shorts, you know, on the bottom and just doing hearings. And you talk to any comp attorney and they're grateful because someone in the government in Albany in the state of New York a year, two years ago, implemented this virtual hearing. We all sort of complained about it and said, oh, virtual, you know, you got to do it in person. You got to represent the client. You got to really, you know, litigate for them. Now, there was no disruption. You know, it would have been chaos had right. we had to push off four months of hearings or five months of hearings for this. So someone, it's rare that you could say the state government really did a great job here. They saved a bunch of our behinds, saved the system, saved insurance carriers, saved injured workers. So really, they get a standing ovation. Right. And so it's to my understanding in the, in the research that I started doing when COVID hit, that if you actually came down with COVID and you were forced to miss work, they considered that to be a workers' comp issue, like the whole disability thing. Am I correct in saying that? Like, are you seeing like an uptick of people that contracted the virus and, you know, missed work? Is that something that you see in your line of work as what's going to be like the future for you guys or the near future anyways? Not really, because for workers comp, you have to show that the injury happened at work or within the course of your employment. Proving that you contracted COVID at a workplace is very difficult. You know, nurses, you know, nurses' aides, right. things like that. Working in a nursing home, you have a little bit of an easier step. But even then, to say that, listen, I contracted COVID, I know I got it from here, it's difficult because, you know, you fall from a ladder and you, you know, tear your labrum. Well, there was a witness, I called the ambulance, you know, right. everyone knows I got it right there. With COVID, there's such a gray area of where you got it. And, you know, we've, ha- we've got a handful of COVID cases, a handful of COVID death cases, you know, I tried to really just take anyone that called in just because I wanted to like help them. Right. And, but it's, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult. And insurance carriers are in a difficult spot too, because while they want to deny claims and it's the old rainmaker, deny, 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 right. their insurance carriers doing the right thing. They're, you know, they want to, if, if it happened at work, they want to accept the case, but they need, you know, how are you going to show that oh, I'm, I breathed in a module and I didn't go to a party on Saturday. So in that sense, it's difficult to do the causal relationship to say that I got COVID here. Right. Unless you're a nurse, then you've got a little bit of a burden. Luckily, in the state of New York with workers' comp, the injured worker does have a presumption that the injury happened at work. But still, you know, you got to provide some affidavit evidence. And it's difficult, to be honest. You know, cause yeah. in March and April, people were just getting, they'd contracted the virus and two days later, they're, they're gone. Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, Absolutely crazy. They checked into one urgent care. There was a PA there, gave a little bit in a medical note, sent the, sent the person home. Two days later, they're dead. And now, you know, we have a claim that we have to establish with minimal medical evidence. Difficult, but we'll see it. Are you seeing it more than as a, 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 a for the people that don't pass away, the people that are ill? Is that more of like a disability issue? Yeah. Whether or not they would collect disability? Because I couldn't get a good answer from my carriers, right? So just talking to my insurance carrier talking to um, my payroll provider, like, hey, like, you know, how does this work? And nobody knew what the correct procedure was. I got a lot of bad information, a lot of hours on the phone on hold. So it was uh, it was pretty crazy. So you're saying then it's more of a disability issue than a, a comp issue then? 
people, you know, people talk about disability as this like big, you know, generic thing. There's a few types of disability, short-term disability, which is 180 bucks a week for six weeks. And your employer's got to sign off. There's workers comp, there's social security, which is permanent. And then there's like AFLAC or private disability policy. So, you know, if you're in a trade where this is going to, you know, your lungs are affected and you're not going to be able to do your job, you're going to be making less money. Who are you going to go after? If you didn't contract it at work, let's say you went to a barbecue and caught it at a friend's house. Right. Now, instead of working 40 hours, you're working 20. Unless you have a private disability policy, there's no one to really go after. Yeah, it's it's scary, man. It's scary how this is all playing it's, out. And uh, It's bad. You yeah. know, people don't know. You got to be careful. We're, yeah. You know, it feels, it's five months. It feels like five years. So you can track COVID. That's why it is important to have those AFLAC policies or something where, God forbid, something bad happened and you were not making the money you made before. Right. There right. it is. What I tell my clients for workers' comp is if, if you make a dollar less due to this injury, you have a claim for it. Same thing applies here, but you really have to go after someone. It's got to be somebody to go after. So, okay, we're going to jump out and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to jump into the meat of, uh, you know, just understanding both sides of the fence here on on comp and what the investigator's role is on all that. So uh, everybody sit tight and we will be right back. The next issue of PI Magazine is hot off the presses. Make sure you visit PIMagazine.com for all the details. Check out Matt's column on Podcasting 101 and PI Perspectives. Delve Point keeps on advancing. The commonality search is here. The new data is unlike anything they currently offer and will go in depth into your target's assets and relationships. Use them on everything from jury research and associate connections to business investigations and fraud cases. You don't want to miss these. Visit DelvePoint.com for more details. Sign up and use code PIP20 for additional savings. Check out the PI Institute of Education at PIInstitute.com. Since 1989, Kelly Riddle has been teaching on subjects such as surveillance, nursing home investigations, insurance fraud, domestic investigations, hidden assets, and accident scene investigations. PI Institute of Education is a featured learning partner in the investigatorstoolbox.com. Check out the free content on the site, then visit the Institute for more great savings on additional classes. And welcome back, everybody, to PI Perspectives. This is Matt Sperry, your host. We are joined today by Sachin Gad, a workers' comp attorney in New York. Uh, Sachin, welcome back to the program. Good to be here, Matt. All right. All right. Good. Good to have you back. Before we uh, took the break there, we teased about uh, talking about the role of the investigator here. So we're going to take the easy one first, which is on the plaintiff side. Because there really, I mean, there is some things to do, but but really the aspect of it is is more along the lines of whether or not there, there's a third-party claim associated with it. So why don't you give me your take on um, what you think the investigator's role is in assisting what you do for people? Well, you know, investigator's role is very important for the third party because when the accident happens, you need to get pictures, witnesses, interviews, surveillance video. With workers' comp, it's not so much fact-based. If you went to work and you got injured as long as you weren't drunk or the sole cause of the accident for even if you were the sole cause, sometimes it's compensable. Right. You know, the investigator is important to preserve evidence for a third party action, evidence that will be used 18 months, 24 months later at a mediation, or will really set the grounds for a case 
down the line. So, you know, if we're calling you, Matt, you know, on a Saturday, that's because something just happened. We need to, you know, have you leave, leave the barbecue grill and go down to the Bronx at a construction site, take some pictures, see if there was lighting, look around, because that third-party action, it's fact-based. Yeah. And there's liability questions. With workers' comp, you know, not so much. Very rarely have I had to, you know, rely on surveillance video to establish the fact that this case happened. Because when a person gets injured, they yell out to the foreman or they're with a coworker who's witnessed it or they're getting an ambulance report. And that medical report is all the facts I need or all the evidence I need. Yeah, I think like the most important thing is, is the reporting, right? When was it reported and who was it reported to? I think is like the most important aspect of, of contemporaneous, right? yeah. yeah, contemporaneous reporting, contemporaneous medical treatment that is not at an employer or the job site doctor, because they're going to write some nonsense in a right. report. Right. They're going to say, you know, you were swimming yesterday and showed up to work with a broken leg <laughs> rather than fell off, fall off a ladder. Right. So, yeah. And in New York, you can choose the doctor you're going to, you can choose the ER other States. It's more insurance carrier, dictates provider you have to go to where they dictate but you know a lot of these construction sites have like urgent cares on site where they'll check you out say you're good for light duty and you know give a history that's not accurate and really going to hurt you down the line yeah it's uh, it's crazy so you know you, you and i we, you know we're talking here about third party and obviously both you and i understand what that means so why don't you break it down for the people that maybe they don't uh you aren't familiar with that term and, and what that means uh as far as the case goes sure in the state of new york you cannot sue your employer for inaction unless it's fits into a grave injury or an intentional tort it's really workers comp covers you and you can't go after your employer however if the accident happened because another driver hit you while you were you know, at work or in the course of your employment. It happened at a job site. There was a general contractor there that wasn't your employer. And when I say employer, basically the person who shows up on your pay stubs. Right. So that's a third party building owner, general contractor. That's a third party that you would go after if they were negligent or they fit under the labor law right. for pain and suffering, a bigger economic loss than workers comp workers comp is max. You're, there's no pain and suffering. The thing I tell my clients is the only pain and suffering in workers' comp is on my end and their end. Right. It's just $800. It's medical protection for life and a maximum of $900 a week tax-free. Whereas, you know, if you're 40 years old, you're making a hundred grand and you get hurt at work, you know, what is $900 going to do? Put your kids through college for the next 20 years. A third-party action allows for bigger economic loss, damages, and there's general contractors. All these buildings you see in New York City, they've all got wrap-up policies. Yep. OCIP, they call them. Yep. Um, they've all got big, big coverage because they're big, big projects that they're going to charge big, big money for once they finish and you know are selling or renting them yeah. either way. Yeah, no, it's definitely a big business. And, you know, that whole construction site and liability and labor laws and all that, that's that's another topic for another show because I could probably do an hour on that very easily. Or- Absolutely. Let's segue then over onto the other side. So you're, you know, you're, you're plaintiff, you're working or, or you're working for the injured person and um, 
you know, obviously the carriers is hiring an investigator to do due diligence on their end. So what are the, some of the things that you would recommend to your clients to say, Hey, you know, be aware of this, watch out for this. This is what's going to happen here. Like, how are you approaching that? Well, I mean, when a client calls me and they say such, I think somebody's watching me. I say, that's great news. Why? Because that means your case has significant value in the eyes of the insurance carrier, sometimes the workers' comp, sometimes the third party. What's important is that you explain to your clients from the beginning, from the beginning of the case, because they could start watching them day two or day three. If you explain to your client about surveillance 10 days after he's been surveilled, he or she has been surveilled, that does no good. So, you know, pre-COVID, when you have the client into the office, you're able to sit down and you got to go through it with them at the end. You talk to them about, you know, you have someone who's severely injured. You go through the whole comp process, but you talk about, listen, be smart on social media, which it probably is another topic for another day, but also that people will be watching you. And today's age, a drone could be watching you. Right. So you got to just act as if assume you're being watched. What right. that means is when you walk outside the door, even when the doors, you know, the curtains open, at your, you know, on the first floor of your ranch in, in Glendale, you know, you're, you're being watched in some regard. So act as if, be smart, don't do things that are inconsistent with what you're claiming, inconsistent with your disability. Right. Don't go uh, run the marathon or, or anything like that. If you're claiming you got, you know, a, a bad knee or, or something like that, right? You know, and yeah. I, I deal with a lot of good clients, legitimate injuries. The problem is surveillance will take place over two or three months. They'll pick three or four days in that three or four months. You know, they could have watched you for 25 days, but they'll pick, pick footage out of three or four days and make you look like Carl Lewis. You know, you're taking out the trash one day or, you know, a hypothetical I gave many a times it came true once with a flat tire. You walk outside your home and you have a flat tire a week after you've been injured at work or have a instigated a claim against someone claiming personal injury, be careful. There's, you know, unscrupulous investigators out there who will give you that flat tire and then never happened. You change, changing, <laughs> never videotape you, you know, changing it. And six months later, you're at a deposition and, you know, someone asks you about it and then they show medical reports showing that you can't bend down. You can't do this. You can't do this. And now they're showing you video. Of you changing just a flat tire. You're not, you know, you're not a part of a pit crew, but you know, anything you got to really be smart about it. I saw once where they had surveilled like a grandmother, a woman who was um, advanced in age. And uh, there was a kid that, you know, ran to her arms and basically jumped on her and she caught the kid and they're like, Oh look, you could pick up your kid. She's like, no, the kid jumped in my arms. What am I supposed to do? Let him fall to the ground. <laughs> yeah. Know, like just say, Oh no, <laughs> somebody could be watching me. You yeah. know, it's the old, uh, Neil McCauley line from heat, you know, assume they got our phones, assume they got our houses, assume yeah. they got us right here, right now, as we sit, everything, assume it all. Yeah. So with drones, they do, you don't know, you, you look across the street, oh, no one's there. You know, there's, there's, someone's always watching us, even if we're, we're not injured. And when we live in a world of big brother, if you don't think an insurance carrier who's going to have to pay out however much, it could be 25000 to $25 million, they're not going to spend some money to surveil you to get a better idea of what's going on. You know, for them, it's, it's a write-off. Yeah, and, that, and that's put. the thing. A lot of times they don't even care. 
They don't care if, if they catch you or not. You know, it's like, well, we've got this budget to spend on it. We, you know, we need to spend our budget. So let's go run some surveillance. You know, okay. And in, in yeah. many ways, you know, when the file comes to settlement, I'm sure they've got an internal checklist. Well, did we put this person on, before we give this person $3 million, did we put them under surveillance and spend 25000 to see if they're doing anything? If we did and we didn't catch anything, okay, that box has been checked. We've done our due diligence. Right. So... It's all part of the process. I'm fortunate a lot of my clients are actually, you know, injured and they're not nursing a, a, a broken pinky for six months or whatnot. Right. I know insurance carriers say, oh, everyone's faking it or fraudulent and they're propagandizing that. They have to do it. They, they have to be a part of it. You just don't want your client to get stuck on surveillance when it's something you could have explained to them. You, yeah. you make it very clear with when he, she, and the spouse comes in, that first meeting, you have to tell them, listen, somebody's watching you. Yeah. I had a, a, um, a client call me once because uh, their client was leaving an IME and uh, there was a drone that was following them and followed him all the way to his house. And basically, like, he, wow. could, he could hear it flying out. And uh, we, we, were, we were setting up some countermeasures <laughs> for, the, for the next week. <laughs> we got his whole plan in place. And it turns out that the guy who was flying the drone uh, ran it into a Black Hawk helicopter, and the Black Hawk helicopter had to make an emergency landing. It was all over the news. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. it, it becomes an episode of 24. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty crazy. And, and what sucks for the guy who was flying the, uh, the drone was uh, the serial number on the drone was part of the wreckage that, uh, on, on the, the Black Hawk. So like when it, the Black Hawk was able to land, I guess part of the, the drone was stuck in the fuselage of the, uh, of the helicopter. Yeah. And uh, they were able to identify real quickly who that belonged to. And uh, I didn't have to do any of those countermeasures because <laughs> it kind of worked <laughs> itself out. Uh, and that's, you can't make that stuff up, right? It's hilarious. And you know, I, I have a, a client tell me all the time, like they call me pissed off and they say, listen, somebody's following me. Just like you said, is this legal? Yes. They can't go onto your property. Right. They can't like pose as a utility worker, but if you're making a claim against an insurance carrier, you know, they have a right to follow you, videotape you, take pictures of what you're doing, you know, yeah. harass you in a Costco. They're, they will be following you at a Costco. I've had clients call me saying, I'm looking around and I can tell this person is following me because they're waiting for you to put something heavy into a cart. Right. And then six months later, you know, that's why I tell my clients, just tell your doctor what you're doing. So if you're telling your doctor, well, yeah, I can lift like a gallon of milk. I can put that into a shopping cart, but I can't lift, you know, a bag of charcoal or, or something heavier. That way, when they do, you know, bring it up six months later and say, we surveilled you putting this into a cart and say, well, look at the medical records. He's being truthful with his doctors. Right. So there's an aspect of, of surveillance that, that is that, that you got to be truthful with your attorney, truthful with your doctors on what you can do. Right. So that, that money, that money shot, the money shot may not be the money shot, <laughs> basically. Yeah. You know, you know cause yeah. you give your attorney, you take the, they think you have the money shot with, oh, he's, you know, picking up a large tin at Home Depot. And then you say, well, here's where he told his doctor that that's what he could do, but he could do no more. And after he did that, you know, it hurt for a few days. So it's warfare, you know? It really is, man. That's, that's like uh, psychology there. Right? I mean, that's, that's actually a good, 
a good way to 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 counter that, right? Yeah. So that's that's definitely some forward thinking. And these are the things you have to do because technology is only going to change, right? So the same thing of of surveillance. There's also you know electronic surveillance where you know social media accounts are being monitored, not just the the accounts of you know the injured party, but they're all their family members as well. You know, so everything, yeah, everything, everything you like, everything you post. I mm-hmm. mean, we have a letter that goes out. As soon as the client comes in, that just shut down your social media account. You've just herniated four discs in your neck at work. You don't need to be posting about it. You don't need to take pictures of yourself because they're going to give the other side ammunition. Just if you're a Mets fan, you can post about the misery of being a Mets fan, and it'll only help you down the line. Anything else? I think I just threw out a disc thinking about that. Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) But you really, social media, you know, because everyone's got it. and. An insurance carrier spends a couple of hundred bucks. They know everything you like, everything you posted about. Even if you're not taking pictures and you say, oh, great day today, you know, Giants won a, a football game or when did you know, that Daniel happen? Jones threw a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, when right. Did, did... But then you're going to have to ask questions, answer questions about it. Oh, where were you on that day? Were right. you having beers with friends? Were you, oh, you right. were having a good time, you know? It's like uh, in some ways when you get injured, it's almost like a prison sentence, really. You know, yeah. like you're going to have to not show that you're completely happy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so not only uh, you know, workers' comp, uh, you, that's not your only uh, passion in life. You've got some other projects that you've uh, been working on. So you have this uh, this app you created. You and I know each other for a long time, and I remember the, the concept when you are first putting this thing together, and I thought it was really neat. So I think it's called My Lawyer's Coming, right? Is that that's the name of the app? Yep, available on the App Store. Okay, so tell me a little bit about it. Like any good idea, it was come up with after midnight in a bar, after a couple of bourbons, just BSing with with some friends, actually a cousin in this matter. And it's meant to just bring people closer to a lawyer. It was initially called like Pocket Lawyer. Download it for free. You can ask questions. $20 a month, you get unlimited chat feature, evidence upload, video chat, and a rescue feature where if you get into trouble or are in a bad spot, you know, you're at a bar and you've broken a very expensive glass of wine by accident or bottle of wine, I should say, you can hit this button. I'll know GPS. I'll follow you there. And it's meant to really just help people, small businesses, you know, with legal help. Small businesses will send me contracts, upload contracts, you know, have employees that they can't have an attorney on salary, you know, paying them six figures, but they have three or four employees that need help throughout the day, whether it's a contract review or a simple question or just something that they can shoot out, get an answer 20 minutes later. And yeah, it's been pretty good. I, it's for lawyers. It's a lead generator. Right. So as people are downloading the app, very minimal marketing costs, very minimal. Once you build the app, which, you know, I kind of white label for firms as well. It's there for you. You pay 20, it's the app store. Advertising is not like Google. It's not like pay-per-click where you're basically paying a ransom for a leak. It's very organic. People download the app. You can interact with your own clients, with new clients. And it's fun. It's like a video game in in some way, but it's real life. That's cool, man. That's really cool that you're forward thinking like that and always uh, trying to push the envelope here. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, how would they reach out to you? You can download the app, My Lawyer is Coming, My Lawyer is Coming at gmail.com. Very simple. Or such, S-A-C-H, at my, my lawyer is coming.com. 
Nice. Or they could, you know, catch my cutout at a, at a Mets game at City oh. Field and basically just... I, I'm sure it's there. Are you wearing a, a Cespedes jersey in that cutout? That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm wearing a nice blue and orange. I got a mustache on like Keith. <laughs> and, you know, at first it was good to have the Mets back. And a week later, it's still good to have the Ajita that right. comes with being a Mets fan. It's like a return to normalcy for us. We forgot the forgot that nauseating feeling. It's almost as bad as being a Knicks fan. <laughs> like, yeah, I get it both ways. The Knicks and the Mets. It's uh, yeah. it's it's killer, man. It's really killer. You know, instead of being angry at COVID and the state of the world in this pandemic, you're just angry at the bullpen and why this happens year after year. So right. it is kind of an escape. Uh, of misery. Yeah, I just got to think about Will Will Pond and Dolan, and all of a sudden I'm not so angry anymore at those other things. That's another 10-hour <laughs> podcast we'll exactly. have to get together for. <laughs> exactly. Um, hey, man, this was really great. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for coming on and just shooting from the hip as to you know what the workers' comp attorney thinks about when they're uh, putting their cases together and really just describing that whole world and, and what that looks like. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. It's uh, definitely resourceful and I, uh, I wish you luck with your app. It's kind of a cool of concept. So uh, thanks for coming on, man. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show. Make sure you catch the Thursday quick hits episodes that we're doing through August and September leading up to the osmosis conference. So we're going to have extra content um, every week on Thursdays. So Satch, thanks for joining us and uh, uh, taking the time to come out and talk here. And I, I appreciate no, it. Thank man. you for having me. Okay, great. So thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks for checking out today's show. We thank Sachin for coming on to discuss workers' compensation with us. We also want to thank Crosstracks, Delve Point, and the PI Institute of Education for sponsoring the show. Have you checked out investigatorstoolbox.com yet? Remember, it only takes 41 cents a day to unlock the future of investigations. Make an investment in your business and yourself today. The 25% legacy discount won't last long. Got a question or comment about the show? Email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com. You can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We'd like your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. Our next show is a quick hit segment with Justin Seitz. Justin is the founder of Hunchly.com, and you don't want to miss this episode. Check it out this Thursday. We'll be back on Monday with another regular show featuring John LaJoy, the president of Mally. Thank you and stay safe.